0: You're listening to the Lucas Askew Experience. Now, here's your host, the one and only, Lucas Askew. Hello, worlds! Welcome to the Lucas Askew Experience. It is May, and summer is oh so close, with the unofficial kickoff to summer on the horizon. Memorial Day for those living in the United States, and good old Victoria Day for those listening in the great country of Canada, I'm actually hiding my razor and going with a no-shave summer, at least until my wedding in August, to commemorate this summer. Rather than having to put on SPF 100 to prevent a sunburn, I might as well grow a carpet on my face to protect myself. But in addition to being the precursor to summer, May also has another deeper connection. May is the official month of mental health in America. Mental health is a subject that is a difficult conversation to bring up, whether it be at home, with friends, or even in the workplace. In the past couple of months, this topic of mental health has been thrust to the forefront with the mass popularity of the Netflix show, 13 Reasons Why. For those of you who have not heard of the show, which is based on a 2007 novel by Jay Asher, it depicts a high school student named Hannah, who ends up taking her own life and leaving recordings with the 13 reasons why she made this decision. There have been reviews of praise for the depiction of the storyline and being bold, while others have criticized the show for being too dramatic, especially when it came to Hannah's mental health and ultimate suicide and how that was portrayed. Regardless of your viewpoint, the show has brought this conversation to the public stage. On today's podcast, my good friend Kate, don't ask me how to say her last name, came on the show to discuss the topic of mental health. Kate was kind enough to share her own personal journey and experiences she's had along the way. So hope you enjoy the conversation. But first, a brief message from our sponsor, who's keeping the lights on, and the website live. Today's episode is brought to you by Suzy Cakes place that is making me strongly consider naming my firstborn child Susie. Now for those not in California or parts of Texas, I'm sorry for the next 45 seconds, but maybe this exposure will help spark the growth of more chains across North America so you can experience Susie Cakes for yourself. Susie Cakes, not to be referred to as the Suze for the big S, is a bakery that was born under the brainchild of Susan Serich. Using her grandmother's recipes, Susan moved from Chicago to California and started her very first bakery. Made from pure and fresh ingredients, the baked goods from Susan's recipes began to sell like hotcakes. These bakeries have grown in number, and there happens to be one just a few blocks from my place in San Francisco. Now I've been known for having a bit of a sweet tooth, But I'm a stickler for certain types of desserts. I don't believe fruit should ever be in a dessert. Ever. Period. End of story. And for cakes, I'm usually an ice cream cake kind of guy. However, one bite of the birthday celebration cake from Susie Cakes, and I was a changed man. The layer after layer of goodness coated with a light blue icing is a concoction that could be illegal in some countries. It is that good. Seriously, though. If you ever have a chance, stop into the bakery and pick up a slice. Susie Cakes, the answer to what really happened to Susie in episode 149 of Seinfeld. Hello, world! Just kidding. That was uh, before so the wow. break. No, it, it's actually, it's the right it's the level of excitement because people don't Ooh. turn on a podcast and and say to themselves Sorry for, for our listeners sake I just removed a pen from, Ooh,
1: from, from Kate You know you, you need to
0: talk with your hands
1: Can I just like You know what I'm that excited about? Nothing Nothing Nothing. Maybe Susie Case
0: Susie Case Our today's sponsor The Luke Sasky Experience We are here with Kate Nezratty.
1: Again <laughs> Again with the last name
0: I thought I thought I got it right I've been practicing. No,
1: come on.
0: Is I that know, what today's
1: podcast was going to be? Just literally me trying to hey, reteach you my last name? We're
0: not re-recording this, so you're you're going to have <sighs> sure. to state your own name for okay. the audience.
1: <laughs> Catherine Ruth Nazridi.
0: Catherine Ruth Nazridi. Okay. Just barely. Got it. Got okay. it. Okay. Okay. So, folks, she's she's back. You may know Kate from episode two of the Luke's Asking Experience. Her IMDb page—that is the number one bullet. Oh, um, that
1: is not the. No, I no, I legit have like other bullets.
0: Well, you have other bullets, but being the first ever guest on the Luke's Ask Experience
1: was, wasn't it? Oh, it's episode two. Episode two. I I, I, read I made myself an article very about first me course. on PresHilton.com though. So. Uh...
0: Uh, is Perez Hilton still around?
1: No, he still is. Kicking? He's actually nice now. Oh. I saw an episode of The Millionaire Matchmaker. She tried to set him up. Okay. It didn't
0: work out. Well, it's one of your crowning achievements. I know you're gonna do great things from here on out. But, um, <laughs> it's all downhill. <laughs> it's here. all downhill. But you're back yep. because. People clamored for you Mm -hmm. to come back. They enjoyed... Huge
1: viewer response.
0: Huge viewer response. Or listener response,
1: response, I guess. Uh,
0: They're viewing through their ears. Okay, that's fair. So yeah, we we brought you back. We're going to have another candid conversation like we always do. (sighs) Always. Always. And today's topic, we're focusing on mental health. May is Mental Health Awareness Month. We brought on Kate to discuss the topic, share our thoughts and opinions, uh, and really just provide an outlet for those kind of struggling.
1: And can I add one thing? Please do. I'd love to say how epically unqualified we are talking about this, but we're two friends having a conversation. So if there's someone who actually needs some really good advice and is maybe really struggling, that there are great professionals Mm -hmm. um, out there um, that they can talk to. So We're not not prescribing anything. We're not
0: friend recommendations.
1: But hopefully we're a little source of comfort and knowing that you're not alone
0: really just wanted to kind of start off why why we're here so yeah. Kate and I were uh, having conversations like we we normally do and <laughs> about uh, nonsense about nonsense and <laughs> kind of topical see politics topics everything that's going on but I think mental health was something that came up researching that may is mental health awareness month yeah and Just thought this could be an outlet to to speak about it. So I I know that undergraduate in psychology.
1: From the uh, University of Michigan. Thank you very much. Go Blue. Go Blue.
0: So Uh, I wanted to give you the floor first. Yeah. uh, And share your your thoughts about mental health.
1: I think first and foremost, I think mental health is such an important topic. And it has this quality of invisibleness, invisibility. Mm -hmm. Visibility, that's a word. That's really devastating to a lot of people because it can't, like other injuries or illnesses, it really can't be seen. And yet, in a lot of ways, it hurts just as bad or even more. Um, And because that, because it can't be seen, I think a lot of people suffer in silence and suffer alone because they don't, um, with mental illness, I think in the past there's been stigmas. I would argue that that's kind of going down a little bit now. But I think even when um, you know that help is out there, I think it's really hard to ask for help Mm -hmm. when you do feel, I think, in the depths of a lot of mental illness, especially depression, that things just aren't going to get better. That you just reach that point where you're like, this is it, this is the way it is, this is the way it's always going to be, and there is no healing. So why ask and why try to change mental illness is is a very scary thing but I think it's uh, more of a common occurrence and common experience than we than we even know
0: when you're talking about the invisibility an interesting way to describe it in the fact that if you talk about physical health that people can see mm-hmm. when you're not in great physical health and it's easier for people to prescribe or provide offer remedies but yeah. from a mental standpoint you may talk to someone and communicate on a day-to-day basis and not know that there's anything going on in their life that is having them in that place. So how do you think others kind of help other people when it's a little bit harder to detect?
1: There are a lot of warning signs. um, And I think if you're a friend of someone who you suspect may have be dealing with one of these issues, Mm -hmm. just validating that you know um, the mentalness is real. And I think just being open to whatever they need to say to you and making sure they know that is very powerful. I think also when you're, um, suffering from depression or anxiety, I think you tend to isolate yourself. Um, and you actually need folks in your life who will reach out and, uh, take you out of that and make sure you're just around people Um, because it's so easy to wake up and just want to stay in bed Um, and sometimes you need that extra push to just literally go from the bed to walking out the front door Mm -hmm. will make the difference of whether or not you actually get to live that day.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, The mental illness is real. I think just being open to whatever they need to say is very powerful. I think also when you're... um, suffering from depression or anxiety, I think you tend to isolate yourself and you actually need folks in your life who will reach out and take you out of that and make sure you're just around people because um, it's so easy to wake up and just want to stay in bed um, and sometimes you need that extra push to just literally go from the bed to walking out the front door mm-hmm. will make the difference of whether or not you actually get to live that day. hmm
0: and what is your uh, like what is your opinion on the uh, method of therapy I think mm. it's to me it's an interesting like growing up in a small city in Canada I don't think therapy was really discussed as a, a way to treat mental illness medication would normally be the number one thing that is, mm. is shared prescribed but I feel at least more living in San Francisco or other cities, I think therapy is maybe more widely promoted sure. um, and and more widely accepted. So not
1: as taboo. Yeah. What
0: What do you What do you feel of kind of the usage of therapy and kind of its effectiveness on on the situation?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think I can really only speak from my personal experience, right? So the way in which I've managed kind of my mental health, is I go to counseling or therapy, whatever you want to call it, every other week. And I also take, like, uh, medication that helps reduce my stress because I also have really high anxiety. Uh, And therapy or counseling, for me, is really a safe space to say those things that I, for whatever reason, feel like I can't say to other people in my life. It needs to be a place where you don't feel judged because sometimes I think when you're suffering from mental health issues, there's a lot that just gets bottled up because you are afraid to say it. And it's really important for your kind of emotional development and your emotional health to be able to, to to actually just say it out loud and have someone affirm that that's what you're feeling. I would say though, I think there's such things as bad therapists and bad counselors. So if you go to one and it's, you're kind of feeling like maybe this, is it doesn't feel like i'm making progress or not gelling with the person for whatever reason it's okay to try again and go to a different one i think don't give up hope certainly mm-hmm. uh, it's not a one-size-fits-all type of experience i would say when i was in high school i went to a counselor and, um at the time i was in this really terrible sort of abusive relationship and she once asked me she was like are you, like, is there something wrong? Are you being hurt, anything else? And I was like, no. And she just kind of accepted it and moved on. And I think, you know, that did such a disservice to me for years because I'm like, if you would have asked maybe one more question, mm-hmm. we could actually get to the root of something. And then you meet other therapists who are just so loving and kind and incredibly patient. Therapy for me is... It's almost, it's one of those things, it's like taking vitamins, where you don't want to do it, but you, you know you have to do it. And you then, don't like
0: taking vitamins? Okay, well,
1: gummy vitamins, okay. Do, I guess. Yeah. But afterwards, you just feel a combination of amazing and exhausting. Your mental health matters. It's not an additional thing that maybe sometimes you should pay attention to. It's really something you should be conscientious of all the time, and you really need to figure out, you really need to get to know yourself well and figure out how to be kind to yourself to keep yourself healthy.
0: Over the past, how has your journey peaked and Valley just in terms of your your mental health through the times? And are there areas that you can share that really were a positive uplift? And like, I know we've talked a little bit about friends kind of leaning in and supporting and affirming in therapy, but... Were there other kind of points that that really were were pivotal turning points for you?
1: Yeah, I think that's a phenomenal question. If I'm fully honest, it's a miracle I'm here today. Last year at this time, I was kind of in the throes of one of the worst depressive, probably the worst depressive episode I've ever had. Mm -hmm. To the point where I was in so much pain. I didn't know which way I was headed. Um, didn't want to wake up in the morning had no motivation to do anything was kind of losing friendships really felt as though I was in this huge free fall Um, and sort of the the bottom of that was was honestly looking at like okay like I feel as though my life is ending every day was just so painful and then at that point I briefly very briefly looked at humane end-of-life options and I realized I didn't I, I didn't want to die. I just didn't want to cause anyone else any more pain. I had these two lovely roommates, and I actually had to move out because I didn't want to cause them any more pain. I thought if something happens to me or if it gets any worse, that it would be unfair to them. So I actually moved to protect them ended up one night and I was just having these like huge heart palpitations and like unsure of what was going to happen and I just remember it being such like a moment in time where I was like I have to get help so I um, had enough strength luckily at that point to talk to my doctor and I just went in and honestly just had a frank conversation with her she was like you're clearly suffering um you just you you need to take some time and I think I was actually last year at this time, mid-year reviews, which is where we are right now in work. And I went in and my boss had like this whole agenda of like what we were going to talk about. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of raised my hands and I was like, I'm sorry, we can't have this conversation. Um, I need to leave for a while. And she her literally her only question for me was just let me know how long you need. And I was so to this day, I'm still at this company because that amazing kindness. There was never a question, was I faking it? Or was kind of looking at ulterior motives that weren't there.
0: How did you prepare for that conversation? Some people would feel like that. that's a yeah, difficult conversation totally. to have, A, with you, starting off with your doctor, but then also like if you're asking for time off from work, like that's a very, very tough conversation to have. How did you prepare for that?
1: I didn't think I would have the guts to have that conversation. I think there were a couple days I went in and I tried to put time on our calendar and then I backed off. But it got so bad to the point where it's like I could not have that conversation because I was either going to go and ask for time or I was going to go in and quit because I was of no good to that company
0: Mm -hmm.
1: at that time. I just wasn't. And I ended up taking two months off. And it was, and for someone who's type A, career driven, like here's the path, this is the right path, taking two months off is not a part of that story, but it's part of my story. And to this day, it's the best decision I ever made. I think I'm here today because I, probably for the first time in my life, put me and my health first. And for two months, just really focused on healing and limited myself to like three things a day very simple tasks. I couldn't overwhelm myself because I needed my mind and my body were just exhausted and they needed they needed a break to come back. You know, like I've said to you before, like depression in a lot of ways is like diabetes. Mm-hmm. Like it's not, it's a disease, eh? And I want to validate that. But it's something you consistently deal with. But there's a way to live in a way in which um, you can have a healthy life and um, manage that and use it ultimately at the root um, as a source of compassion for others who are suffering
0: one question i, I have on that is looking back to your, your darkest days and i don't want, yeah. don't want you to no, that. no go for it yeah but when you come up with a day that you are feeling a little bit more depressed Do you go back on those kind of darker times and use that as just a reminder of, oh, wow, like I've come a long way, like there's there's still a lot for me to give? Or is it more, that was Mm -hmm. a period of time you've grown and and developed through that and are really focusing on forward? Basically, do you look back and use that as a source of strength Mm -hmm. or kind of push that to the side and really just look at more of the The positive light and forward looking.
1: I think looking back in a lot of ways scares me because I don't want to go back there. Mm -hmm. And yet I think there's so much benefit in using that as a reminder to put myself first and make sure I'm living in a way that's keeping me healthy. It does serve, especially recently, as some perspective. So when I'm having a tough day at work or when I'm late for a dinner reservation or something, like if there's something that a bit big or, you know, it could be small, there are sometimes moments like, Kate, just be grateful you're still here. You know, like appreciate, you kind of, kind of have to let the small things go Mm -hmm. and appreciate some of these larger victories. I think, and as a part of people's mental health journeys, I don't think people give themselves enough credit for what they've been through. And sometimes you just really need to be super kind and considerate to yourself, and give yourself a frickin' break. <laughs> like, insert swear word. Um, not, it's, not in this podcast. Not on this we are podcast. a swear-free yeah. podcast.
0: Lou Sorry, experience. sorry,
1: family-friendly. I think it's so important. I like can't underestimate, it, like, underemphasize how important it is to like be really good to yourself. I think everyone fights some sort of battle, whether that's mental health, physical health, family issues, whatever that is. And we tend to shrug a lot of things off. And that's really unfair and ingenuine to our own experience. I think we need to be more present in those moments.
0: In talking about celebrating wins, like recently, do you have an example that... Yes, I saw a positive event in my life, and I celebrated it. felt good, mm. and this is what I've done since.
1: Yeah, and I will say it's not one specific moment in time, but I have been happier in the past couple months than I've been in years. And maybe that part of that's growing older. I'm kind of knowing myself, but I, I think sometimes you do have to go through hard times to get to the good stuff. And in the past year, I suffered, but I also grew a lot. And I learned a lot about myself. And maybe that's why it's hard to look back because it seems so far away now. Like, I feel really, really good. And I keep on saying to anyone who will listen, like, I am so hopeful right now. Like This is going to be such a, I know there's like, you look at the news and there's nothing good going on. And I could not be more excited for good things to come. Like I just, I'm happy for my friends and I'm happy and excited for me and I just see really good things right around the corner. I think if that tells you anything is that you know even in the depths of despair, like it can actually turn around. Like I thought there was no way I would make it through last summer.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And here I am just like so thrilled. With life right now. For no particular reason. Which is always makes it better. Yeah. It wasn't an event. I just wake up every morning with the glory of God to be like, this is a great day. How do you feel like men deal with mental illness or view mental illness maybe a little bit differently than women do? And how do you experience it different in the concept of community? Like, Do you think men can talk to each other about such things? No.
0: It's something that... It's a difficult conversation, regardless of men versus women,
1: yeah.
0: but I think that's not the type of conversation that we want to have or we initiate with our friends. It's it's a deep conversation. It involves a lot of emotion. It involves a lot of vulnerability to mm-hmm. kind of share where yeah. you're at, and I think there's the stigma of mental health has been brought down mm-hmm. society-wide. Yeah. But with a population of men, it's still prevalent. Mental health and talking about that shows more sign of weakness. Mm. And I think it, so
1: sad. It, it, is,
0: it is tough, it is getting better. There are close people in my life that I know that I could connect to and, and really go deep with. I know I could have conversations about my mental state, yeah. but it's not something, but I think some of my male friends that I've been friends with for 20 plus years, I still don't think I'm I'm there with them in certain places. So mm. it is, it's a difficult conversation and yeah. it's one that a lot of men don't want to have. How do we continue, not we in general, but as a society, continue to up level this conversation and get it more topical when people are talking about just their overall health state?
1: And I'd love to have a magic answer for that. Yeah, um, I don't know the I, answer either. Uh, Here's the thing, when you look at the amount of people, at least in the US, and I'm sure you can look at the stats, but it is a significant percentage of folks who deal with one mental health issue or another. So whether that's severe anxiety, whether that's depression, whether that's XYZ. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, I think so many people have felt like they've had to suffer in silence. When you look around and if people felt as though they could give you an honest answer and not be judged, it's almost one of those things where everyone would raise their hand. And that's really sad for a couple of reasons because it's like, oh, wow, everyone's really suffering. And B, why aren't we helping each other? And I think part of that is talking about it is one thing and then knowing how to help one another is another thing. And I think there's the fear of... If someone's dealing with something that intense, you may not actually know how to help them. And you don't want to uh, make anything worse. I don't think anyone would intentionally, but like, when it comes to friends, here's the thing. If you have the flu, you get medication and you get better, there's a solution to that. It, it's you tangible. Can solve People it.
0: can see it. Yeah. It, you may not agree with this prescription over another, but you you it know will what end. it is. Yes. Yeah,
1: it will end, and you'll get better. And mental health is not like that. It's so nebulous, and it can last for any amount of length. And so, you cannot, as a friend, come in and be like, "I'm going to help you solve this." And we're, by nature, I feel like, problem solvers, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you want to make things better for that person. And the fact is that you may not be able to. And I think that's really frustrating to people who want to help. And that's really scary.
0: Mm-hmm. One thing I want to talk about, we actually talked before we were on air, and you were referencing, like, it's easy for us to kind of label generations of you yeah. are Generation X, you are Y. Gen- Everyone talks about millennials, whatever. Ugh, stupid like, millennials. Yeah, like everyone blames millennials, talks about they millennials. They do. I and don't pu- get and it. And put everyone in one bucket and one label. Do you feel that, that sense of just putting people into that one bucket contributes to some of the kind of mental health struggles that people feel? Yeah. And is there a way that we can create more of that identity fluidity?
1: Yeah, I mean, so you never want to be labeled the crazy person, right? Um, Because when you're already feeling alone in whatever you're suffering from, you don't want to be further isolated from other people, by people who generally just don't understand and so kind of push away from that. I would love to see a space in which you weren't labeled by what you're not, but what you are. Like any illness, that's one, that's one piece of you. That's not your whole story. Yeah. That's not your whole self. Um, and I think as soon as you label someone by one piece of them, you discredit so many great things about who they are as a unique individual. I always say when people ask me, oh, who are you dating? I'm like, literally, who I'm dating is the least interesting thing about me. Um, and I think the, the same can be true for other what things. T- like,
0: it, I know it's a separate conversation. What type of guys are you dating? Oh, it's, my it's the least interesting. It's the
1: least interesting thing about me. <laughs> okay. Probably because the answer is none right yeah. now. So it's just such a disservice when, we're, when we just say this person is X. Because, yeah, maybe they're X. But maybe there's so many other great things as well. And it doesn't give them the room and space to evolve that we all need. Because who I was a year ago is not who I am today. And who I am today is not gonna be who I am in five years. Um, so I would hate to be known as, as one thing when um, that's not my full story. Uh, that's just kind of a part of the journey. So um, I don't know what the solution is as to how we can fully um, accept people as their whole persons, but I think it's trying to at least understand other, other parts of them.
0: So with that, who is Catherine Ruth Nazrati?
1: Nazrati. Oh man! <laughs> Come on! Come on! I even
0: wrote it down. I put the emphasis.
1: <laughs> oh, I guess a perfectionist just disappointed. <laughs> disappointed this is who she is. So, uh, who
0: is oh Catherine gosh. Ruth?
1: You know, what I want on my gravestone, yeah. I always said this, and I don't, here's the irony, don't want to be buried, don't want to be burned, still trying to find a solution. If I had to have a gravestone, it would be, she loved really well. I think that's what I want to be known for. I may never be famous, I may never solve malaria, would still love to. I want to love those in my life really well. And even those outside of my circle, whatever I can do, I feel as though being a white woman born in America, I've been put in such a position of privilege. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I want to be seen as someone who has their eyes fully open um, and is very aware of not only what's going on in my backyard, Um, but the fact that there's a famine in East Africa and like, why is that not on the news? And, um, I think I very much go back to the Lord put us on this earth for a reason. And I think it's a pretty big reason. Um, haven't figured it out exactly, but I think we're here to help each other and we're here to love each other really well and just make this experience better for one another um and if we're not working towards that every single day then it's a waste of a day and it's really a really shame because it's such a gift to be here um and i hope that how my friends see me is um someone who loves them really well uh someone who cracks them up um,
0: so is that second bullet point. The second the bullet point, but I always kind stone. of,
1: I always kind of want to be the two a.m. person. That's what I call myself. Which is that when you have the list of people you can call at two a.m. for help, then I'm one of those people, because you don't have, not all of us have tons of people you can call at two a.m. But I pretty solidly want to put myself in that pile.
0: Have you seen How I Met Your Mother? Are you a How I Met Your Mother fan I've at all? I've
1: seen it. Yeah. Well, yeah. There's,
0: there's an episode called "Nothing Good Happens After Two A.M." And <laughs> go
1: figure.
0: We're not going to go into the overall episode, but some but decisions then, made after two yeah. of them are usually but questionable. Then, but then I'm but there to help. Yeah, yeah, you're there to help. Totally. So,
1: So, uh, yeah, I consider myself pretty fiercely loyal, for better or worse. If you're one of my people, you're one of my people.
0: I, I, think, um, I think That's you, not about you I told think. me that probably two weeks into getting to know each Probably. other. Probably. And then Man. I
1: followed it up with, and if you're not one of my people, you're not exactly. one of my people. <laughs> so I, I knew either way. I was like, okay. It was going to go one way. It was going to go one way or another, yeah.
0: And luckily it went on the, the positive Yeah, I don't track.
1: know. You're still on the edge. Okay. We'll you
0: see. That, that's good. So last question. Yeah. We we end here in Luke's Sassy Experience talking to I usually ask my guests a motivational message. It could be about anything. Mm. So... I know we've kind of talked a lot about one's mental health and, and just first of all you sharing your story has been amazing so kudos thank for just all. being vulnerable and, and being willing to share like that, that takes a lot of courage so I thank appreciate you. you listening of course and all of these loyal, loyal listeners <laughs> um, you want to talk about fiercely loyal these people that are subscribing what would be one thing you want to share
1: It would an be answer? cliche if I said it gets better so I'm not gonna say that. Um, you're really freaking worthy, just incredibly, genuinely, completely, wholly worthy.
0: I, I don't think there's a better way to end the end the podcast right there. Thank you very much for for coming on and yeah, and for enter, me. entertaining and just sharing sharing your story. It was it was it was a treat to be in this room uh, to to hear it. a real treat. Awesome.
1: Thank you for
0: having me. Thanks again to Kate Nasridi. Look at that. I finally, finally nailed the pronunciation. But seriously, thanks to Kate for coming on the show, being open about her experiences with mental struggles, and absolutely being a source of inspiration. I felt Kate's words throughout the podcast would ring stronger than any motivational message that I could pull today. Uh, But do want to leave you with this. There are people around you today, whether you are aware of it or not, that are dealing with a mental illness. We can all play a part in loving one another and letting people know they are truly valued. So this week, I encourage you to be that sense of encouragement for someone else and remind them just how lucky you are to have them in your life. We'll be back with a new podcast And a new episode before the end of the month, so be on the lookout for that. But until that time, I bid you adieu. So take care, talk soon, and God bless.